Welcome back to the podcast for winners. I'm James. This is my co-host, Zach. And on today's episode, we're talking about this, this gassy, hot planet, rocky, gassy, hot planet that has uh, surprised us with, with a recent discovery. It's not, it's not Mars. It's not Jupiter. It's not Saturn. It's not Mercury. It's the second rock from the sun. So we're going to be talking about the recent discovery on Venus on this episode. Stick with us and we'll be right back. No energy vampires. No energy vampires. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. Americans play to win all the time. I wouldn't give a hoot in hell for a man who lost and laughed. Welcome back to the podcast for winners. And as mentioned in the uh, intro there, we had some exciting news coming out of the scientific community about the planet Venus. So um, I know you sent me an article from Scientific mm-hmm. America. I was just saying, I saw, saw many, many things about this. So I follow quite a few um, actual scientists and stuff on Twitter, like planetary scientists, and they were all... Oh, whoa, sorry. Yeah, very, <laughs> yeah. Well, to, to distinguish them from me, it was, you know, I'm not a scientist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, besides the article you sent me, I saw several uh, um, astrophysicists talk about the discovery, uh, I saw Neil deGrasse Tyson was on like Good Morning America or something like that. And, mm-hmm. um, oh, I'm blanking on his name right now, but I live next door to the uh, National Science Foundation and one of their uh, astrophysicists was talking about it on the Hill, um, on the Hill's YouTube channel. So um, seems to be a pretty big deal. Um, in the scientific community, and do you want to give us a little like insight about what exactly is going on on Venus? Uh, yeah, I can do my best. This is definitely yeah. <laughs> further out of my wheelhouse for sure. Um, <laughs> so they used um, a telescope of some kind, which a lot of what they do when they use these telescopes, because I mean you're only looking at the planet or body or whatever you're viewing, right? So you only have image data what they use, and I, I have no idea how this works. It has something to do with the spectroscopy, I believe, is the word for it. But they look at the chemistry based on yeah. kind of the signature coming back from the, the light or whatever. And they can use that to kind of deduce what constituent elements are there and kind of piece things together like a puzzle and figure out what the chemical composition of what they're looking at is. And so apparently... These researchers, I believe the paper was, uh, I should find the names in the article. Okay, this is going to take Jane Greaves, Dr. Jane Greaves from Cardiff University in Wales, I believe was the one that made the discovery. And then her co-author, Dr. Clara Sousa Silva from MIT, who specializes in looking for this particular chemical signature they found, uh, which is called phosphine. And my reading of it from the couple articles I read and all the scientists excitedly tweeting about it was basically based on all, everything that they know about the planet Venus and other planets' atmospheres and things of that nature. What we know about uh, how this gas forms on Earth is that it only comes from biological processes or uh, human like activity. I don't know what human activity makes it, but so so it's basically yeah. um, indicative of life in a certain way, which is very exciting. I think they said. 
that it can also be made in other types of environments like Jupiter because of really, really high pressures. But basically, this molecule is made up of two atoms that don't like to bond together usually. So my understanding of that is it needs some kind of a high energy confined environment for them to actually bond together. And that doesn't exist where they found it on Venus. And right. the part of Venus that they saw it on is high up in the clouds. So Venus is this like very cloudy planet. And as you get deeper and deeper and deeper, like more towards the surface, it gets denser and denser, hotter and hotter and higher and higher pressure, right? Well, so I think it's around, it's either 100 miles or 100 kilometers about above the surface of Venus. There's actually an area in the clouds that is Earth-like in the sense that the pressure and temperature are similar, and there's actually water and oxygen and things like that we're used to seeing. But you definitely couldn't go there and breathe it. Right, right. It's uh, very uh, hot, and uh, it rains sulfuric acid on the surface. So um, I think it's it's uh, what, about 60 kilometers or so. Um, the air, the atmospheric pressure is like at the sea level, basically here on Earth. So a very much so a, a quote unquote Goldilocks zone within uh, Venus's atmosphere. Yeah, yeah, and that's kind of one of the fun things about this too is kind of you know the original idea of the Goldilocks zone, as I understand it, was they're looking at like the band of where you could get an Earth. Yeah. And now they're kind of finding all these new paradigms. So before they even made this discovery, like people have been getting really interested in the icy satellites of uh, the outer solar system because the conditions there might be right and there's lots of water, but it'd be a completely different form of life from what we find on Earth. And now that's not saying that there's life there because they don't know, but that's part of what makes this exciting is Venus, because it's really hard to explore, has been a little bit neglected compared to our other close neighbor in Mars in terms of scientific missions. Um, yeah. And so kind of like with those moons in the outer solar system this type of discovery assuming uh, someone else doesn't come up with a good explanation for it makes people a lot more interested in going back to Venus which is exciting because then we get to learn more things basically and you never know like, the, to, yeah. to be clear the authors like they're not saying there's life there because it's still just more likely that there's some kind of a natural process that we just don't know about because there's right. like an infinite number of permutations or something with chemistry where things can just form and combine. I don't know. I don't know any chemistry. But <laughs> it, so yeah. to be clear, like, you know, it's, I mean, it's probably not life, but they can't rule out, which is what makes it exciting. Yeah, that's exciting. And even if it's not life and it's something like we, we find out about a new process, like that helps us in the future. And the more knowledge, you know, the better because, um, you know, it kind of opens up this, these, uh, you never know what that type of discovery might lead to. And with uh, discovering kind of these Goldilocks, quote unquote, zones, I know it's like very cliche, you know, kind of overused term, but these Goldilocks zones within like certain planetary um, environments, like that opens up possibilities for life in other places. So maybe places that we thought weren't as hospitable. I know it's a lot of what you said, but places that we thought weren't um, necessarily hospitable, um, even here in our solar system, but even beyond our solar system, it, it opens up those possibilities. So you never know what type of type of stuff we could find out there. Yeah, and well, and like I mean, we still haven't 
explored any of these places enough yet, but it's getting really exciting in the sense that like people think there could be life below the Martian subsurface. Now they yeah. think maybe there could be life in the v- Venetian I think it's Venetian clouds. Yeah. They think there could be life on these random icy moons that are out in the like frozen land of the solar system. And it's like if we find life in multiples of these places, that means it's probably like as natural of a process as all the other chemical processes that we know, and it's inevitable, and that's a very exciting thing for how we see ourselves in the universe or galaxy or what have you, right? Right. Do you think like <laughs> and this is kind of just coming from my little bit of like pessimistic view of humanity. But do you think like we as like a people can accept finding life on a different planet or in? Well, I mean, especially we've been using vaccines for like a hundred years now. <laughs> Some people still don't, don't accept yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. But like, could you imagine, like, we think we're pretty special, right? We think, like, which, in which we are. We're, we're intelligent life forms. But imagine finding life on Venus, a planet that rains sulfuric acid, <laughs> and life is still able to thrive there. And, like, how special are we really? Yeah, that'd be wild, dude. The surface of yeah. Venus is literally hell. That sounds like the worst place in the world. Yeah. In the universe. In the, the universe. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Probably not true. There's probably worse places. I'm, I'm not being imaginative, but I actually too. So I've seen this is some of the more sci-fi stuff. We didn't get to this in our space resources conversation from a few weeks ago. Uh, but so actually, in this same zone of Venus, like people have made like mission concepts and stuff where they're making like hot air balloons basically, and they're harvesting because there's water and oxygen and stuff there, so you can like use those resources to make like floating platforms on that area of Venus. And it's like not totally unfeasible that someone could figure out a way to engineer like a cloud city with, I mean, with infinite resources. Right. But, right. But then that's uh, that's a really cool thing. Cause then you're, you're high up from the gravity well, which is helpful. And the way, the way that we, launch things into space. So I'm try- I want to make sure I say this right, because I'm also not an astrodynamics person, but like we use Venus to slingshot and get to places faster, because every everything's going yeah. in a circle, right? So the further out you get in the circle, the more you have to travel around the circle, right? Because you're going around a bigger mm-hmm. circle. And so like they use they go in first to use Venus and slingshot in like a tighter arc and that like lowers the transit time a lot of the time. So I believe that's how that works. Someone in the comments can kill me, but <laughs> it's, uh, so it's Please like, it's, it's, uh, like assuming we get this big, wonderful infrastructure up around the earth with all these like gas stations and stuff like may, that might be a next logical place to like install some infrastructure. Yeah. So it'd be good that's to learn pretty, more about it. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. Actually. <laughs> Just like visualizing a floating city, and like I'm, I'm a bit, of course, like in my head, it's Cloud City from Star Wars, right? <laughs> That's the only floating city so, I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so it's like this gorgeous thing. I'm sure it would look much different and much ter- probably more be terrifying. much more, more, much more practical, so people weren't dying 
but yeah <laughs> but and actually too like you can think of ways where it's really not for people to be there but even if they could just figure out a way to feasibly do some kind of a staging area for actually exploring the planet and then if you yeah. find like okay because we know anything we send down there is just going to die because it's so hot and so mm-hmm. the pressure's so high and the, there's so much nasty gas that just like fries instruments and stuff like well maybe we can make these things some type of an exploring vehicle or device cheaply and just like shoot them down one at a time and they can collect data for two minutes and then die and yeah okay, right yeah. something like that yeah. should also be cool and then we can litter all over venus too yeah in terms of worlds like earth though we only have we have mars and venus to look at yeah so you know it just helps us learn more about our own planet too which is becoming True. increasingly important as we trash it <laughs> and have to understand yeah, how the climate's going to respond and stuff. Great, because Venus Venus was much more Earth-like in the past, and it was runaway greenhouse, right? That How it kind of got to where it is now, Venus I Venus is definitely, yes, that's true, for sure, the runaway greenhouse. I think, it's, I think it is close to the same size as Earth, or closer than Mars is. Okay. I don't know if the statement, it's, it was the most like Earth in the past is true or not. Maybe. Okay, yeah. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> no one was there. We, can... so, someone might know that question, or maybe nobody yeah. decided on it. Okay, well, Venus, yeah. So, Venus, I think, you know, and sometimes it takes, like, findings like this to, hey, we have to wake up, you know, about certain things. You know, like, Venus is, is not out of the question in terms of maybe a vast well of knowledge that we can use going forward and... You know, if we um, find life there, we're going to have to nuke it. They don't <laughs> nuke us first. <laughs> yeah, the, the microbes and the, what, <laughs> Yeah, actually, what? actually, though, I think Russia, like, said something about... It's like, as soon as that discovery was announced, like, Venus is a Russian planet. And I don't know if that was meant literally or not, but they have explored it more than anyone else. They sent, like, a bunch of probes and crap out that way during the oh, yeah? Cold War. Yeah. <laughs> nice Russia would... <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Let's let's. Uh, maybe they're like, maybe we can learn more about our wasteland if we. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's I'll, all I'll cold, cut though. that they, before they we get have, hacked. They should have gone to Mars. I ain't scared of no Russian hackers. <laughs> the election officials are so. So in terms, of, so this this isn't gonna like pull resources away from Mars. You don't think, right? Um, you know, I don't know. Not Mars. I don't think it would Mars because Mars is still mm-hmm. like. That's the easiest uh, one to do stuff with, too. So, like, if they're going to make a big, big project, it needs to be the moon or Mars. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they're going to be worried about losing it, <laughs> which, yeah. is, which is kind of the problem with the all the uh, Jupiter and Saturn moons, too, is, number one, there's a bunch of them, so it's hard to pick, like, the best one. But then, number two, they don't want to send anything really expensive. Um, right. So right. If you ask me, I would just say give NASA more money in general, but... Well, you know, let's not get out of control here. I think it's, I think it's here. touchy, you know. <laughs> What's that? No, I, but I mean, I do hope. I hope not. I hope it, but it's hard to say, you know, the administration could change. Congress changes how they do funding every year. So I'm sure it's hard to balance all that budget and get money for the projects you want and all that. I am certain yeah. that, so NASA does a lot of stuff that are more... Like, they'll send out a call for funding, and they're more, like, low-technology-ready things, like moonshot-type things. Mm-hmm. I bet very few of those 
were for Venus related things in the past, I bet now you're going to get a lot more of those. And so okay. NASA will probably allocate some of that research money uh, towards more Venus things. So if that money doesn't change, I guess in some sense, yeah, it will take money away from other things. But hopefully if there's more interest, there will be a better competition and you'll have more good ideas in general to use that money on anyways. Because a lot of times those projects don't go anywhere. It's kind of a waste of money in the first place. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it's a hard sell. I think it's exciting. Like adding the the um, possibility of life definitely makes things a little bit more exciting. But it's so hard for people to get behind like science. Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately, I know. people. Yeah, that whole thing. Well, why haven't why haven't you paid to make everything in my life better first? And we're trying to fund science. Yeah, yeah, but but we don't get that. We yeah, we don't we don't get there without these scientific discoveries. You know. Uh, how, NASA, how many different NASA's how many different things itself. Have, it's a good investment over time yeah. that it's paid for itself yeah how many different inventions and discoveries have come from medical discoveries everything come from research done by NASA and for the space program so you know that's everybody uses satellites every day for, mm -hmm. like over GPS. a dozen different, over a dozen different things in your life mm -hmm. can't can't get away from it yeah cool oh, they're, they're a big organization i'm sure they waste money too but what's new i don't i think that's an an emergent feature of large human systems seems to be waste yes yeah i don't know you're a supply it's, chain guy you probably see that yeah the, i mean there's a whole there's a whole industry around <laughs> reducing waste i mean lean six sigma it's all kaizen yeah uh and um yeah it's 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 bad uh but waste has like created jobs too so <laughs> yeah that's kind of a funny way to think about it <laughs> yeah so i mean you gotta take the good with the bad i guess i mean how many... i mean i mean there's waste with everything the most perfect diesel engine is just blowing off energy as heat and we can't do anything yeah. about it so mm -hmm. what you gonna mm -hmm. do universe yeah. state is entropy or something that yeah, sound so. deep? That's I'm like the eighty billionth person to make that point. <laughs> is that it? Is that all we got for Venus? Um, yeah, let's give a shout out. So we we both read um, a Scientific American article by Adam Mann. It was posted mm -hmm. on September fourteenth, twenty twenty. So shout, shout out to no, there we go. Happy late birthday! Thank you. So we we can shout out um. Adam Mann, as well as the two doctors mentioned earlier in the study that were the co-authors. So that, you, you guys are all winners this week. Yes, you guys are the winners of the week. Did we just come up with a new segment? Ooh, oh. I think we did. I think we did. <laughs> there we um, go. So congratulations to, well, let's say congratulations, but thank you guys for... Prestigious um, honor. <laughs> yeah, prestigious honor. Congratulations. You're winner of the week. Um, but no, great article, great read. For As someone who, this is not my expertise, um, you made it a lot easier for me to understand. So, uh, yeah, great job. And uh, if you hear this, please reach out to us. Plug us, please. <laughs> please, God, plug us. Please. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, that was, that was good stuff. And that was just a quick little, you just wanted to, you know, peruse the topic. We thought it was a big deal. Yeah, we're playing around with some stuff. We might, uh, you know, let us know if you like this or not. Maybe... We can do some uh, more important current events in the future. Just kind of talk about them, summarize, give our thoughts. 
Heck yeah. And hopefully we'll be back with the guests soon. So yeah, I think that's all we got. Yeah. So please, uh, like share, subscribe, show it to your significant other, you know, sit down, nice romantic day, listen to the podcast together. <laughs> listen to two dudes talk about <laughs> Venus, Venus. Whoa. <laughs> Venus is the uh, goddess of love, I believe. Yeah. Something. Goddess of something sexual. Yeah. It just got weird. So, all right. (laughs) 